Welcome back to the Hoop Games Podcast for Episode 6. We are ranking the all-time number 23 player as of 2020, Kevin Garnett. On today's episodes, we are detailing the stats and stories around KG, detailing his inputs in the model and his ranking, as well as running a few game model simulations that include, what if KG wins the 2008 Finals MVP instead of Paul Pierce? What if KG never gets injured in 2009 when the Celtics were leading the NBA? What happens if Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett switch franchises and career paths? Kevin Garnett was the fifth overall pick in the 1995 NBA draft, with players like Jerry Stackhouse, Rasheed Wallace, Michael Finley, Antonio McDice, and Greg Osertag. Garnett was the first player to go straight to the NBA from high school since 1975 per NBA.com. He was the first player selected in the first round of the NBA draft straight out of high school since Daryl Dawkins, who, side note, may have one of the deepest rosters of great nicknames on basketball reference. Dr. Dunk, Sir Slam, Dunk You Very Much, and Chocolate Thunder, which apparently was given to him directly by Stevie Wonder. Getting back to Garnett. Fun fact, KG ranks as the fourth best player to go straight out of high school in the game model. Garnett played 21 years in the NBA with career averages of 18 points per game, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 1.4 blocks, 1.3 steals on 50% shooting and 79% from the free throw line. He wasn't really a three-point shooter, shooting 28% on less than half attempt per game over the course of his career. He was a 16-time All-Star, and for those at home thinking he, he has only been to 15, remember that the 1999 NBA All-Star game was canceled due to the lockout, and in the game model, we allocated an all-star appearance, all-star appearance in 1999 to all NBA team selections to avoid players in 1999 being unfairly punished relative to other years, since we include all-star games as part of the regular season gold metric. He has nine all-NBA selections, four first team, three second team, and two third team. He was the MVP in 2004. He's a 12-time all-defensive first or second team selection, winning Defensive Player of the Year in 2008. This makes KG one of five ever to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, with Giannis, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, and David Robinson. Now you have to think Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain likely would have won it as well had they awarded Defensive Player of the Year back then. The award was only started in 1982. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was also a five-time All-NBA first-team selection for the defensive team, right before the Defensive Player of the Year award was instituted. All of this to say, though, that Kevin Garnett was well-rounded. He's one of three players in NBA history with 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 5,000 assists, along with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone, per basketball reference. When you add in 1.5 thousand steals and 1.5 thousand blocks, he remains the only player to have ever done that. Nicknamed the Big Ticket, KG did it all, as you heard with the stat mentioned just now. He was incredibly athletic and skilled, big man who could post up with tons of moves and great footwork, notably spin moves and fades in the block, but also great at operating at the top of the key. He was a very skilled big man passer who had a 10-year run averaging almost five assists. He would consistently knock down the top of the key jumper just one step inside the three-point line. That skill set likely translates well to most eras. A line from an NBA.com Hall of Fame inductee article sums up part of KG's skill set. Quote, Garnett, along with class of 2021 inductee Tim Duncan, were part of a generation of power forwards who demonstrated that players six foot nine or taller could face the basket on the offensive end. KG was one of the game's most intense players ever, 
and one of the game's most active and maybe harshest trash talkers. He was a controversial on-court instigator, as Bleacher Report called him. He has even more controversial incidents with Carmelo Anthony and comments made by KG about Carmelo's wife at the time, Charlie Villanueva's looks, although there are two sides of that story, and then an unsubstantiated but potentially out-of-bounds trash talk from Garnett to Tim Duncan on Mother's Day 1999 that we won't repeat but recommend looking up. We've put an article from Clutch Points that details some of the more controversial ones in the show notes. He was as intense and hectic as the movie he played a key role in as a version of himself after his retirement, Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler. Per a recent article by The Athletic's John Krasinski, Randy Whitman, former Timberwolves coach, told a story that he and Flip Saunders would tell KG he was going to sit out at practice, and to which KG would respond, quote, the hell I'm not, end quote. A similar story was told by Doc Rivers on All the Smoke podcast, where he and KG would go back and forth about Garnett sitting out of practice, to which KG would respond, quote, Warriors don't come out of practice, end quote. Nick Smith, NBA YouTube channel, has a video dedicated to the greatest KG stories that I highly recommend checking out. The part about KG and Duncan trash talk back and forth is worth a listen by itself. I respect and appreciate the love of the game and desire to play at all times as a fan of the NBA. I completely understand the value and need for some level of load management in franchises protecting their assets, but as a fan of the game, players who love the game want to play, there's just something to root for there, and why in the model we value players actually playing the games and playing the minutes. Another cool piece from that article was that KG loved playing basketball so much that he would leave practice on the days his teams would cut players as he couldn't stand other guys not realizing their dreams of playing basketball for the team that year. David Stern to Kevin Garnett in Garnett's MVP ceremony for 2003-2004 season, quote, Kevin, you play this game with a passion, an energy, with a devotion, and with respect, end quote. This really sums up his approach, although, as mentioned earlier, maybe went a bit too far on the trash-talking and intensity. KG has provided a refreshing take on today's NBA in a recent interview with the New York, New York Times stating that the skill in today's NBA makes him question if players 20 years ago could have played in a league now in contrast to comments made by other retired players who question the toughness or approach to current NBA in a lot of cases. The general perception of Garnett that we will look at in the model. He came out of high school and played 21 seasons at a high level, with only the last few years where he seemed like a lesser version of himself, so he should have great longevity in the model. Generally perceived as one of the best power forwards ever who was able to achieve the highest individual and team performance. He had a peak run in the mid-2000s where he may have been the best player at the time, in 2004 in particular. He had limited help in Minnesota, but the Boston Big Three would have offset that to some extent. The limited help in Minnesota likely caps his postseason points with no points for advancing. He had seven straight first-round exits and then later misses playoffs for three straight years towards the end of his career. The NBA.com Hall of Fame profile on Kevin Garnett details the why behind Minnesota struggling to get talent around him, boiling down to the lockout and its impact on signing Stephon Marbury some illegal contract maneuverings for Joe Smith that that cost the Wolves three first-round picks over the course of five years. He did win a championship, but did so as part of the Big Three and was a bit older, so maybe he doesn't get an incredibly high contribution to that championship as it wasn't his peak playoff performance. We will hop into the model looking at KG's rankings and the stats first perception right after this short break. This episode is sponsored by Boxed Up, a rental equipment marketplace connecting renters and owners. Boxed Up makes it easy for you to start a new business, kick off a new hobby, 
or try out something new. No more renting stuff from people you don't know or driving across town to the big box rental house. Boxed Up has both highly curated kits or a la carte items for those in the know. This podcast is recorded using Boxed Up equipment, and I highly recommend their services, as it's made both the podcasting and video recording process much smoother. For rentals delivered to your door, go to www.tryboxedup.com. Welcome back to Episode 6, ranking the 23rd best player ever, Kevin Garnett. Looking at player performance points, Kevin Garnett ranks 6th all-time in regular season PPP, scoring over 133 points over the course of his 21-year career. No real surprise here, as mentioned in our perception of him. KG had four seasons over an eight, one of which was his MVP season, and another was his 2008 Defensive Player of the Year and Championship winning season with the Celtics. In this episode, we will compare him to the same power forward group that we used for the Charles Barkley episode. That list includes Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, Moses Malone, Charles Barkley, and Karl Malone. So we will analyze KG through the same lens. Despite ranking 6th all-time in PPP, KG ranks 4th of that power forward group. Interesting note, the only three players 6'5 or shorter in the top 20 all-time in this metric are John Stockton, Chris Paul, and Jason Kidd, something we will explore in a future episode. KG was very efficient throughout his career, even finishing with a 29.4 PER season, finishing just shy of the rare 30 PER season in 2003-2004, which was his MVP year. We will talk more about his career PER shortly. Looking at regular season peak, Kevin Garnett has the 22nd highest peak, peaking between 2000 and 2008, with his top six years being 2000 through 2001, 2003 through 2005, and 2008. He does score the lowest peak of the power forward group that we mentioned. All of these power forwards won MVPs, so there's limited separation on that front. Of this group, he has the second highest peak year with Carl Malone as he led his team to the best record in the West with the almost 30 PER season, as mentioned earlier. But he also has the lowest sixth highest peak year, meaning that sixth year brings him down a bit relative to the group. Looking at PPP per year, KG scores a 6.4 PPP per year. He only lost 10.7 PPP over the course of his 21-year career, showing incredible durability and consistency. From ages 19 through 35, he only lost 1.6 points, meaning spanning that time period, which is longer than most players' career, mind you, he lost out on less than two points there. Staying for the additional four seasons later in his career impacted his PPP per year metric, as he was hurt, played a different role, playing in only 64% of his team's games over that stretch versus 94% the other years. Given KG's high-scoring years, the fact that he lost out on only a few points in terms of PPP for injuries over the course of his career, he hit 15 years where max indicators of minutes and games played over the, over the course of his 21 career. Garnett ranks 40th in NBA history. This is good for fifth of the six power forwards. His last four seasons dropped him from a 7.14 to 6.36 in the model. So he traded consistency and durability for extra, extra longevity, gaining 12 player performance points and moving from 10th all-time in the longevity metric to 6th all-time. This drop in PPP per year from 7.14 to 6.36 only moved him down one spot on the power forward list. Looking at regular season gold, Kevin Garnett has 16 all-star appearances at one-half points each, four all-NBA teams at 1.5 points each, 
three second teams at 1.25 points each, two third teams at one point each, and an MVP at three points. Totaling this up, this gives the big ticket a total of 22.75 points. This is good for tied for 23rd all time, but sixth or last among the power forward greats we've mentioned. Looking at career PER, as mentioned earlier, he was consistent and incredibly efficient over the course of his career, ranking 30th all time in NBA history in this metric. This puts him fourth among the power forwards in career PER. For career win share per 48, KG ranks 39th in history and fifth among the six power forwards. For star teammate help, Kevin Garnett scores a 12.5 on star teammate help, which is an average of 0.6 or an all-star equivalent, which is the third lowest of the top 27 or bottom three in terms of help. Only Dirk and Hakeem had less star teammate help than Kevin Garnett over the course of his career. He has the second lowest help of any power forward, so he gets points boost relative to all but one there. And this kind of ties out with the perception of Garnett that he didn't have a ton of help, and when, and when he was able to get some help, he proved to be a winner. Only 10 of 21 years did Kevin Garnett have an all-star or better teammate, and only 3 of 12 years in Minnesota. One of those three years where he had an all-star teammate, Sam Cassell, they made the Western Conference Finals. An interesting stat, when Kevin Garnett had a 1.75 teammate help or more in a given year, he proved incredibly successful with this help. He did this on four instances. In 2004, the Minnesota Timberwolves were able to make it to the Western Conference Finals. In 2008, the Boston Celtics were able to win the NBA championship. In 2009, the Celtics would go out in the second round, but KG had to miss that playoffs. Prior to KG going down, the team was 44-11. and and the defending champs, and would make it back to the NBA Finals again the following year. So there's a real chance in 2009 that the Celtics make it to at least the Eastern Conference Finals, if not the Finals, or even win the championship. Something we'll explore in the game model simulation to come. And then he did it again in 2012, where they lost to the eventual champion Miami Heat in seven games in the Eastern Conference Finals. What this shows is that when he had help, his teams went far. Comparing this to Tim Duncan, who, when he had over 1.75 star teammate help, he, he had that happen five times. And a quick run-through of those results. In 1998, the Spurs would lose in the second round. In 2012, they'd make it to the Western Conference Finals. In 2013, they'd lose in the NBA Finals. In 2014, they won the NBA Finals. And in 2016, the Spurs would lose in the second round. So overall, it's very comparable to Tim Duncan. It makes you wonder how KG's or other players' careers could be looked at differently with a change in their career or a change in situation. Stay tuned for the game model simulation here in a bit where we explore just that. During his Minnesota years, he averaged .22 star teammate help, or roughly an all-star every other year. In Boston, he averaged 1.5 star teammate help, an all-NBA teammate every year. And then his last three years across Brooklyn and Minnesota averaged just .16. He's had less star teammate help than all but one power forward. The other power forwards had all-star teammates in the following situation. Tim Duncan had it in 68% of his years. Moses Malone had it in 62% of his years. Karl Malone, 74%. Charles Barkley, 63% and then Dirk Nowinski, 33%. So comparing KG, who only had it in 48%, you can see he ranks second to last on that. 
Looking at total teammate help, KG scores a 43.6 total teammate help, which is the 11th highest of the top 27, slightly above the middle of the pack. He scores more teammate help than all but two of the power forward group, but trails Tim Duncan significantly in terms of help. His three highest total teammate years were in Boston during the run where they won a ship, lost in the finals, and had a second-round loss as KG was out, but likely would have resulted again in an Eastern Conference Finals appearance and more likely an NBA Finals appearance. His fifth-highest help year was the year he went to the Western Conference Finals with the Timberwolves in 2004. So when KG had his most help, he proved most successful, which is a really interesting result of the game model and something that really ties out and why we include total teammate help and teammate help in the model. Looking at playoff performance points, KG ranks 20th all-time in this metric, with his teams making the playoffs 15 of 21 years, but he himself playing in only 14 due to a leg injury in 2009. Remember that he was 6th all-time in regular season PPP. If he had played in the 2009 playoffs, the one he missed due to a leg, leg injury, he likely could have moved up even further to somewhere around the 16th or 17th all-time. Additionally, if he had more help in Minnesota, he maybe could have made a few longer playoff runs, which would have given him a boost in the bonus points for advancing. KG averaged 18, 11, 3, 1-1 on 48% shooting in his playoff career, very comparable to his regular season numbers. He proved to be a solid playoff performer, but nothing amazing. Only one performance scored above an 8 in the playoffs, where he scored an 8.55 in a head-to-head matchup with Tim Duncan and may have been the best player on the floor in that series, but the Spurs and David Robinson proved too much and beat the Wolves in four when the first-round series were best of five. He would also score 7.5 and 7.45 in the 2004 Western Conference Final run and the 2008 Championship run. Really solid performances, but were a drop-off from the 8.7 and 8.3 performances during the regular season for those years. This is pretty consistent for him in that his playoff score was lower than his regular season score for 10 of his first 12 postseason appearances, leaving points on the table there. In addition, not winning finals MVP in 2008, lost three points on the table as well. Even though he outscored Paul Pierce in the full playoff run, Paul Pierce did have a higher graded finals per the game score stat. This playoff PPP ranking actually puts him last among the power forward group, despite being 20th all time. Looking at playoff peak PPP, KG ranks 67th in playoff peak, which is last among the power forward group, despite winning a championship where Barkley and Malone did not. His playoff performances were less than stellar compared to this group, and despite the bonus points for advancing to the championship twice and conference finals, his individual graded performances just not enough to beat any of the other power forwards. Not winning finals MVP hurts here, as doing so would have catapulted him above Malone and Barkley for playoff peak. Looking at playoff performance points per year, KG ranks 57th on this metric, which is 5th of the 6 power forwards, losing only 1.2 playoff performance points due to minutes played indicator in his last playoff run. So KG played in most of the games, excluding the 2009 injury, but just didn't stack up to his usual regular season greatness or the greatness of the other power forwards. Looking at playoff PER, Kevin Garnett is tied for 44th in playoff PER, which is tied for last among the power forwards. For playoff win shares per 48, Garnett ranks 92nd in NBA history, which is second to last of the power forward group. So comparing his regular season performance on these metrics, in the regular season he was 30th and 39th, and in playoffs he was 44th and 92nd. 
pretty significant drop-off and hurts him in the model there. Looking at playoff teammate help, Kevin Garnett ranks 22nd of 27 with an average of 28 teammate PPP. This gives him the sixth least playoff help of those in the top 27. This also ties out to what we expected, that Kevin Garnett had limited help, but when he did, he made the most of it. This could also explain some of the postseason drop in scores, as in the playoffs team strategized to limit the best players and make others beat you, so KG would have seen schemes designed to limit his impact and forcing other players to beat him. This worked well in Minnesota, but Boston Big 3 maybe not as easily defended, uh, which is why we see some of his deeper playoff runs when he had more help. Looking at individual championships earned or ice, the big ticket has one championship and was the highest player in terms of player performance points, but he did lose out on finals MVP to Paul Pierce. As a result, he earned 17% of the 2008 championship. This 17% is good for 132nd all time. Looking at peak ice, his 17% scores as a second option on a deep team and is therefore 65th all time. His peak ice is heavily impacted by not winning that finals MVP, as winning it would take KG up to 24% of a championship and would be good for 29th all time. Looking at the final game ranking throughout this episode, we have told you that KG ranks high on the longevity metrics. He has a top 22 regular season peak, had limited teammate help, which helped him in the rankings, and he scored in the top 40 to 50 on most of the other metrics. All combined, this gives him a final ranking of 23rd, with a perfect player rating of 64.24. Now it's time for the best part of the game model, the what-if scenarios, also known as game model simulations. The first game simulation we run is what if KG wins the finals MVP in 2008. In the model, we update finals MVP from Paul Pierce to Kevin Garnett, giving those three bonus points to KG and removing them from Paul Pierce. This This increases KG's playoff points, playoff peak, lowers his playoff teammate help, and as a result increases ice and peak ice. The model now sees KG as a lead guy instead of a second option on a championship team. This change in itself takes Garnett from 23rd all-time in the rankings to 20th all-time. He passes all of the players ahead of him who did not win a championship and a few of them who only won one. The next simulation we run is what if KG doesn't get hurt in 2009. As detailed on a post by CelticsBlog.com, if KG doesn't get hurt, they likely make the finals, where it's a toss-up for the Lakers for the second year in a row. The Celtics were the best team in the league when KG went down, with a record of 44-11 and even had a 19-game winning streak at one point. Updating the model to have the 2009 Eastern Conference champions as the Celtics instead of the Magic, we see that if the Lakers win in this scenario, there's no change in the overall ranking for KG, but he does inch up very close to the number 22 player with just 0.1 point separating them on the all-time rankings. If the Celtics win this scenario, updating the 2009 NBA Finals from the Lakers to the Celtics and updating the Finals MVP from Kobe Bryant to Kevin Garnett, Garnett gets his second championship and he moves from 23rd to 20th in the model as doing so increases his peak ice from 17% to 23.5% with the finals MVP. Now, the interesting note is that in this scenario where KG wins his second title and first finals MVP, this helps him in the same way as winning the finals MVP for his first championship in 2008. This is an interesting result of the game model as this gives the same result 
as winning a finals MVP for a championship Kevin Garnett already had. This is a result of the ice and peak ice metrics where Bill Russell scores an incredible all-time lead for ice, winning 11 championships and being a significant contributor, whereas a player can easily move up ice and pretty quickly with an outstanding performance and winning a finals MVP. Something to note and something we will detail in a future episode. The last simulation we do is a scenario where KG and Duncan switch situations with Minnesota and San Antonio. We're going to assume a draft day trade for 20-year-old budding stars. We assume the Spurs trade their first overall pick for Kevin Garnett, who is coming off an all-star appearance in his second year. KG would be going to a franchise that would go on to provide the most help to any superstar in the top 27 all-time rankings. We mentioned earlier how when they had comparable help, they had similar results. Tim Duncan would be going to a franchise that, well, would not necessarily provide that same help. Given their similar skill sets with ability to face the basket and to operate from the block, a defensive stopper earning multiple all-NBA defensive teams, and each reaching the ultimate achievement of winning an MVP, we will assume that their career performances could plug smoothly into their new teams. Having said that, Tim Duncan did outscore Kevin Garnett in 14 of 19 years on PER and did the same thing for win shares per 48. One thing to note is that it's also possible that Tim Duncan having more help over his career allowed him to operate without as many double teams, allowed him to take less inefficient shots to bail out his team, and allowed him to rack up more assists relative to a baseline as his teammates being more talented would hit more shots and drive up his scores. This is part of the reason why we have included teammate help in the, in the model. Now, despite this independent or de- dependent variable relationship, we will assume their current scores are translated exactly to their new teams. In this scenario, KG goes from 23rd all-time to 12th all-time. He still trails Tim Duncan, due mainly to trailing on individual components like regular season gold, as KG won less MVPs, two first one, and making less all-NBA first teams, 10 versus four, and still trailing on win share per 48 metrics, but the margin is very small, separating Duncan and Garnett relative to where it's at now. KG does not get as high as Tim Duncan does under the same circumstances mainly due to the higher regular season gold and the more efficient play uh, the model is picking up on. An interesting note, despite retiring at the same age and having two less seasons, Tim Duncan actually still has more regular season longevity, meaning he didn't have as steep of a fall-off as Kevin Garnett in his later years. Again, maybe the win share per 48 metrics are improved for Garnett as he plays his whole career with the Spurs. To recap this episode, Kevin Garnett is one of the best power forwards of all time. His passion, intensity, work ethic, and love of the game made KG a fan favorite to watch and an incredibly tough player to play against. He achieved the ultimate level of individual and team success, winning MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, as well as winning a championship. Unfortunately, he did not win the Finals MVP for his one championship. Garnett spent most of his career without the level of help of some of the other Power 4 greats and has maybe held back in the rankings and perception as a result of not competing for more championships. He trailed the other power forwards on most metrics, but was able to finish ahead of Barkley as Chuck did not win a championship. So with that, thank you for listening to this episode and be sure to check out number 22 next. Also, subscribe, leave a review, let me know your feedback, and hop over to the Hoop Games on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube to let me know what simulations you would like to see. Every month, I will pick one reviewer to run the simulation of their choice as a bonus episode 
or incorporate into an existing one.